0: We'd like to thank our friends at Sleep Number for sponsoring the Thrive Global podcast. Sleep Number is changing the way we sleep with our latest beds, the Sleep Number 360 smart beds. They automatically adjust on each side. To keep you sleeping comfortably all night, discover the difference at sleepnumber.com thrive. Hello and welcome to the Thrive Global podcast on iHeartRadio. I met our guest today in China, in Hongzhou to be specific. We're both speakers at Jack Ma's first women's conference. And uh, it was absolutely amazing to hear her inspiring story of being one of the few women I had ever met who were able to juggle two incredibly successful careers and to have the audacity to launch an entirely new career after one successful career. Jessica Alba, it's so wonderful to have you on our podcast and um, to learn from you on this journey as a mother, as an entrepreneur, as an actor, as a wife, as a friend, you know, all these multiple roles that women are learning to inhabit all at the same time. Right. So let me start by saying, what was it that made you decide to launch The Honest Company?
1: Gosh. It was just something that I had to do. I was pregnant with my first child about 11 years ago. And... uh, I had an allergic reaction to a product that my mother recommended that I use that was, you know, really marketed for babies. And I quickly, in that moment, my childhood came back to me, and I remembered as a child how sick I was. So um, people don't know that about me because they only know me, you know, after I'd become you know, successful as an actress. But as a kid, I spent a lot of time in hospitals with chronic illnesses, asthma, allergies, was the most consistent one that landed me in the hospital. But I had many surgeries, you know, complications with appendix, and I had cysts, and I had kidney problems. So I had just lots of issues. And I had this baby in my belly. And I was like, oh my gosh, my child could could get sick or be sick. How am I going to, you know, really make sure that she doesn't as, as best as I can? I did lots of research and I learned about certain chemicals in everyday products that you use to clean beauty products, personal care products that are in and around your environment could be harmful and could contain harmful ingredients and there really isn't a real um, a mechanism to test chemicals for safety prior to them coming into the marketplace. In the EU, it's different. In personal care alone, uh, there are over 1,300 chemicals that are banned, uh, ingredients that are banned. And in our country at the time, there were only 11. And so I was like, that's just so crazy. Like, they've done the research They know that it's not safe, and yet there are companies, global companies, that are making different products for the United States because they don't have the same restrictions. Just compromising people's health like that, it just felt like there was a social injustice there. There's a lack of education and then a lack of access to to the products because often when you would look at alternative products out there, it was really only the 0.1% that could afford it. It was like crazy expensive. It really also spoke to a more kind of hippie, natural consumer, not necessarily your everyday person who's just getting by. And so I was like, how can we reframe this and brand this company in a way that makes it accessible from an aesthetic standpoint, but also from a financial standpoint to everyone and really create a brand that speaks to millennials. That's the impetus. That's why I started The Honest Company.
0: And so the idea was to make non-toxic, safe, healthy products mainstream.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a health and wellness company, and we make products. But for me, the biggest part of it for me was really around education. Yes. And so how can we build a platform through social media and through our own website where we could educate the consumer in a non-scary, empowering way Mm -hmm. because people don't want to feel like what they've been doing is hurting their children or hurting themselves. And so I wanted the information to be empowering. I want it to be actionable. Um, It's like these little steps could actually lead to a healthier life. You don't have to transform everything, but you can take little steps, and it can make a big difference. And then to to be able to provide the products – was the third
0: pillar, yeah. It's interesting because you stress uh, how the goal was empowering, not judging. And now as you've just had your third baby who is seven and a half months old, Mm -hmm. you said that uh, you feel that you don't do all these roles right, that somehow it's so hard (laughs) to juggle them all together. So do you feel you're judging yourself?
1: (laughs) I set a pretty high bar yeah. I expect excellence out of myself at all times, and it's not sustainable. It took me quite a while to I guess to be kind to myself yeah. and to treat myself with some compassion. In a weird way, that then made me probably just easier to be around (laughs) to everyone else because I'm not operating at this. Like, it's got to be like this all the time, level 10. But I think where that came from is my dad was in in the military when I was growing up, and I certainly learned his work ethic and, and discipline but for him, working was always like a job was like this duty, and it wasn't something that he was happy or excited about. It was just something that you had to do to survive. And I really wanted in my life to have a job that I loved and that I'm excited about, you know, doing and participating in. I mean, this, you spend half more than half of your life it seems like, (laughs) working. And so to be able to find some light, whether it's connections with other people you work with or you just find, you know, a sense of fulfillment in the job, the day-to-day job, I just think that um, I learned from someone who just really didn't enjoy What what they were doing and felt like they needed to work themselves to the bone every day. And it was about survival. And I think when I became successful as an actress, it was hard for me to trust my success. I felt like when I stopped working like that, that it would go away. Yes. And that was scary.
0: And that, I believe, is a massive delusion that we all suffer under. I mean, I suffered under until I collapsed from exhaustion and burnout. I see it all around me. Thrive, you know, the new company I founded is really designed to combat that stress and burnout epidemic. And I see again and again, exactly what you said, you put your finger on it, which is people are afraid to change the way they work and live because they feel that whatever success they have will go away or that they won't be able to get the success they want. Mm -hmm. So it's really amazing when we can create new role models. Mm -hmm. You, Jeff Bezos, recently wrote on Thrive why he gets eight hours of sleep because it helps him make better decisions as a CEO. So to start putting those stories out based on data and science, I feel Mm -hmm. just so excited about giving these messages to our daughters and Mm -hmm. the generation coming behind.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's... You have to have a work ethic, right? And you have to work hard and be efficient and effective when you choose to put your head there. But as long as that's happening, you 100% also need to nurture yourself and take care of yourself. And your wellness, you will burn out and you won't have that long, healthy life that you want to have if you don't take care of the other side and get enough sleep eat the right things, get the exercise that you need to get to to be okay. I mean, I find that for my mental health, I need the sleep and I need a bit of the exercise, you know? Like, I, I need those two extremes. Um, and then I also just need cuddles with my kids. And, like, that, to me, like, it just fills it fills me up. It allows me then when I do... Work to be able to be there and be present and be one hundred percent, and I don't feel conflicted about having to compartmentalize my time. It feels but I love what
0: there. you said. In contrast to your dad, for whom well he was still works duty. on
1: weekends. He still, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my parents both had like three jobs each, and different you know did different things, and um, I didn't see a lot of my dad growing up and had that quality time. And he was always so stressed out. His blood pressure, his cholesterol now, you know, is is compromised because of it's sort of the only way he knows how to exist really? and be. And I don't want that. I don't want that as an example also for my kids. Weirdly, when I did take care of myself and Make my family time a priority. Make my time, me time, a priority. It allowed for actually more blessings and more like wonderful things happen here at at Honest. Because when I was grinding every day and I was in the weeds of every department and in the thick of it, there was no light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Mm.
1: And now. There's like nothing but opportunity and just like warmth and possibility, and having um, a real business partner here that feels the same way is And he's awesome. great, and right? he's great, <laughs> and Greek he's a family man. Yes. Yeah, and he—he's just yeah. He—I don't know if the, if it's those Greek family <laughs> values that he carries, but you know, he's a hard worker, and when he's here, he's all in. But The same goes for him prioritizing his time with his family and um, getting adequate exercise and sleep for himself. That's important. But I
0: I love the way that you realize that the founder myth is not accurate. You know, the founder myth is that only the founder can really do everything, and the founder has to be there all the time and Mm -hmm. be 24-7. And you allowed an opening to bring in a great CEO, who is being a partner to you and, and helping the knows, company grow. Yeah,
1: and 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 you know, it's also being humble humble enough to know that you're not going to be great at everything, and certain you get the company gets to a certain place where you shouldn't learn on the fly, and you shouldn't be making those types of decisions. Like they're big decisions that have a ripple effect, and it is more important to have thought partners. I think when you start a company though, Ariana, it is the 24/7 founder story because often you don't have a lot of employees. You have yes. like five people that are doing <laughs> everything. And so you're you have to do that, but I think you have to also in success know when it's time to bring in other folks that could be better or smarter, more capable. To help, you know, bring your vision to life in another way.
0: Now we're going to take a minute to talk with Pete Bills, the vice President of Sleep Science and Research at Sleep Number. So Pete, fall means it's back to school time. What does the research show about the connection between sleep and school performance?
1: Great question, and I have two teenage daughters. Uh, I've learned more about uh, sleep watching them turn into wonderful women. From children, it really is amazing to see the difference that sleep makes in their performance and development. Um, you know, there have been a lot of research done over the years. Um, a great study done in both Israel and the U.S. shows that there's a direct correlation, controlling for everything else, between scholastic performance and sleep quantity. It's a dose response. It seems like every 10 to 15 minutes of extra sleep that our children get. Uh, results in a better grade. So from the difference between an A and a B and a B and a C and a C and a D, um, it, it's really a dose response. So it's it's amazing
0: how just a little bit of sleep change can make a huge difference in their scholastic ability. Thank you so much, Pete. Thank you. This sleep tape was brought to you by Sleep Number. The bed that knows you, senses you, and adjusts to you. Only at sleepnumber.com slash thrive. I find that even at the beginning of a company that when i gave myself like i do now with a new startup right cuz we uh, started doing it very differently day, day <laughs> yes when i give myself time to recharge i just make better decisions you yeah. know it's true every building a company is full of challenges so can you see around the challenges? Can you see solutions mm-hmm. instead of just problems? Right. I, it's like I think we have so much creativity in us, and I find that when I'm running on empty, yeah, I'm not in touch with my creativity. That's
1: true. You're right. And
0: also what you said about joy, in a sense, you know, that if it's just a chore and a grind, we miss out on the joy yeah. of building and creating which is such a blessing.
1: It is, and I think it's it's why people get addicted to being entrepreneurs. It's, <laughs> they they love those early days because you're building. You have a vision, you have this idea. It turns into a thing, and then you know you get people to join you on the journey, and then you get to create something that was never there before. You had that idea, mm-hmm. and you brought people together to bring it to life. And there's something so satisfying and so, like, beautiful about that process. But I guess I've never done it without the 24-7 hat <laughs> <laughs> on. I probably would do it differently now, though. Yes. I because would. Because after, wants- you're right. After I, what I know, it's true. You don't think as clearly when you are sleep-deprived. You just don't. And when you aren't taking care of yourself. And you make a lot of sort of rookie mistakes,
0: well, you've also spoken about how you don't trust your own instincts as much. Right. Because you had a very clear view of what the company was, why it was, but you always get so many different opinions right. and suggestions. Yeah. You the said once yeah. that, you know, your self doubts may make you question your own vision or mm. the clarity of it and and how did you Gain more confidence? Was it just a factor of success or making mistakes and learning from them?
1: Weirdly, it's funny. I, I think I, I gained more confidence through making mistakes in a weird way. I didn't make the same mistake twice, <laughs> you know, which, is, which is a whole other thing. But it's once I went down that path and you're like, oh yeah, that's not what should happen, then I then I clearly knew that that wasn't the move and that this is, and I was very confident in that decision because I had already taken that path and that wasn't right. And so it helps with clarity, right, in your vision, especially when I made mistakes in not trusting my gut for long periods of time. It made me not really care about other people's opinions. As much, and I put a lot more weight on other people's opinions when I was younger. But now that I've been through what I've been through, I appreciate someone wanting to contribute their thoughts <laughs> on my life or choices. Um, but I, until you're in my shoes and you really understand the situation, it's really difficult to understand what's going on. I think you have to sort of put it in context. I know that people are just giving you through their own reality and their own, I guess their perspective and their life experiences, what their truth is, but it doesn't have to be yours. That was a tough lesson.
0: But also as women, don't you think that we sort of crave approval uh, and learning not to crave approval is
1: so liberating. Well, I think it was like, it's that, and it's like, you're an actress. Like, what do you know about running a company? Like, what? Surround yourself with people who've done this before and trust them and just like blind faith. And so much of what I was going through was really like, this isn't right. And this is not the way things should be, and this shouldn't operate like that, or this shouldn't do, th- in, in various, you know, business different circumstances. And it was so, it felt so wrong, but everyone just said, but you're an actress, what do you know about? supply chain or this distribution model or this business model that does this and blah 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 or raising money at this valuation and like what do you know? For a long time I, I wasn't trying to act like I knew anything. I just knew that in my gut it was so wrong. certain things. Yeah, I, I was a people pleaser. And I just wanted people to like me and to think that I was smart and doing the right thing and being considerate of other people's opinions who've been there, done that. But was there any part of acting that helped you in business? Um. Yes. You know, when you're when you're creating something, certainly like a, you know, a television or a- anything in, in entertainment, really, it's a collaboration. It's a team. It's a team effort. In business, you need to align everyone around them, a vision and point everyone in the same direction. And depending on what department you're speaking to, they each play a part in getting to that goal, right? And that shared vision. And it it doesn't you can't do it alone. Yeah, working in that team collaborative setting and then also dealing with rejection. I've dealt with So much, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I mean, when you're an actress, there's nothing but rejection. For every yes, there's a thousand no's telling you every reason in a really terrible way (laughs) why you aren't good enough or you'll never make it. In business, there's a lot of people that like to say no and that don't get it and can't understand it. And you have to convince them. That's the beauty. And once you convince them, then their lives are so much better. <laughs> you know, I love
0: that. I, I, I've i just been clearing my garage. And as I was going through, you know, years of papers, I, I just saw all these projects that I had pitched that never happened. And I had almost forgotten them, you know, TV shows and magazine ideas. And, and I thought, oh my God, these things never happened. I mean, these are like dozens of failures (laughs) on which success was built. And I I had this idea that anybody who has succeeded needs to start, like, talking more about all the times we failed along the way because people so identify successful people just with their successes. Right. They don't
1: know what it took to get there. Yes.
0: And so that means that so many people get so easily discouraged. Right. And they when, when, when people reject their reject idea it, or aren't
1: into it,
0: and anything, yeah. So maybe that's a project we should do. Like, <laughs> that's
1: true. All of the things that, <laughs> all yeah, I, things. I had other businesses that I tried to do, and I was beating around different ideas before Honest happened. And even Honest was a very different company when I first pitched it, and then three and a half years later, when I finally found the right business partners and got it launched. I went through three and a half years of rejection.
0: And transformation. And
1: transformation, 100%. The thing, though, that that was consistent were the values. Yes. And the ethics behind why it needed to exist. But everything else changed.
0: So maybe your own journey is why you're so passionate about mentoring other women Mm -hmm. and inspiring not just your own team, but women anywhere mm-hmm. to be true to their own vision and goals. Yeah. How did that start? Like, when did you decide that at the same time that you would build the company and do everything else, you also wanted to have this mentoring programs, uh, uh, events, etc.
1: I think I probably, not that I take it for granted, but I have been invited into so many spaces where I can connect with people that are totally and completely different to me and that are excellent at what they do. So when you're successful in entertainment, you get to go and meet various different business people, people in government, people who are successful in so many different mediums. You know, like we met in China and and then I can actually talk to you about I'm really feeling burnt out and I'm really having a hard time. And and I can talk to you about that, but not everyone gets the opportunity to sit across from Ariana Huffington and, and talk to them about that. Um, you know, I could meet Sheryl Sandberg and... Talk with her about you know what is it like to not have as many women at the table make as decision makers at the top, and like how do I navigate that? And and so I just feel like sure I have access to certain people, but everyone should have access to, regardless of where you at and you're at in your profession. And I have found that the little connections that I have made along the way have been so impactful and helpful for me as a business person, and as a woman, because sometimes I'm just, I feel nuts. I just feel like, oh my gosh, I feel so alone. This is crazy. And I have no one to talk to. And then the universe sort of opens up and I'll meet, you know, Mary Dillon who runs Ulta and like, I'll talk to her, like, what was it like, you know, those early days when you were in business and you were coming up the food chain and, and that company and, she, and we can chat about it and, and she could help me strategize on how to navigate Certain things in my life. And so if I could contribute to a platform and a space for women to talk about real stuff like you and me and my other friends who have started companies, and we can talk about the real hurdles and the real things that we deal with on the day to day and how we navigate through the, those challenges to get the ultimate outcome. We all just want to be happy. We all want to feel joy to some degree in what we're doing in our lives, uh, personally and professionally. We want to be fulfilled. We want to feel like we add value. Mm -hmm. And so how to get there is complicated and different for everyone. And I think hearing from different women and their different life experiences is just really helpful. And then from there, they can take that and they can run with it. And creating a space for other women to share is really important. So networking, I think, is very important. And so as much as I can contribute to people's personal and professional development as women, because we aren't equal. Let's, you know, let's just, we're in Southern California. (laughs) It's 2018. I'm a Mexican-American. I'm not created, I'm not treated the same as a white male counterpart. That's just a fact. I can work twice as hard. It doesn't matter. It's just a fact. And across the board, women just aren't getting paid the same, no matter what. And in many countries, they're not given equal opportunity to even be educated, uh, to even know basic, you know, writing and reading and numerical skills so that they could, you know, create opportunities for them, their lives and their families. So I think it starts... Wherever you can, wherever you can make a a change and um, stand for something, it's important. And, And women having equal opportunity is a really big deal to me. I think what you are
0: demonstrating, though, is that when we come together and support each other, Mm. we can accelerate all these changes. And and I think one of the things that makes us so powerful is the willingness to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and to not act like we got it all together. Right.
1: And I found it's that true. so
0: disarming when we first met because like within like literally minutes, uh, we had this intimacy mm-hmm. because you were talking to me about your fear of burning out. And I was talking to you about the fact that I had burned out mm-hmm. and collapsed and and I think women have that. You know, mm-hmm. it's much easier for us to express the struggle. Right. And not to always show this perfect image.
1: Right.
0: I think that's one of the problems with social media. I know you are amazing at social media and so many... Well, I wouldn't go that way. But... <laughs> no, because you you actually don't try to portray that perfection constantly.
1: I just talk about... or highlight things that are just happening. Some of them are pretty cool. Like when I get to travel and, you know, see a really interesting monument or have a delicious meal from like a really amazing chef. But other times it's just like, I'm grinding it out at the gym and I have 15 pounds of baby weight that won't go away. And I still want to have my glass of wine at night. (laughs) you know, like, but that's just what's happening, you know, and it's, it's real. And, uh, you know, I don't think social media is necessarily for me, the healthiest place for people to just like go to therapy and only talk about like those types of things. Cause I think you need to have some, some Privacy. privacy. And I do think it's, it's important to show, as much of your true self as possible. That's my view on it.
0: Especially for teenage girls. So you honor your oldest uh, daughter is... uh, She's 10. She's 10. But she's very tall. (laughs) She's very tall. And um, I met her earlier. And pretty impressive the way she's comfortable speaking and expressing herself. And it Mm -hmm. must be wonderful to watch her Find herself.
1: It is. It's like the coolest social experiment as well because (laughs) my three kids are so different and, you know, you nurture them and tell them, you know, you give them a similar environment to grow up in, but what how they different. take from it is different and how they view themselves and and how they exist in the world is all very different but there are like certain things that my husband and I were pretty adamant about and that's like nice manners and kindness.
0: Is Cash, your husband, yeah. very involved in bringing up the kids? Oh yeah. And how involved is he in the business now?
1: Not at all. No, he has his own business. Yes. <laughs> so we have, we both have uh, businesses that we started around the same time and uh, we both make products. We have one place that we both sell to uh, and work with, one retailer. Yeah, we have completely different businesses and it's fun because There is a lot of crossover and just like, how do you manage people or how do you get people to like do what you say without feeling like you need to hammer them over the head? And how do you inspire them to come to the table with ideas and then like, you know, basic numbers stuff like how do you get more feet at the (laughs) retailer and and hold it?
0: So is there a lot of pillow talk about the two businesses? We
1: don't like to talk about work At home, over dinner, but not like, not when we're in bed, we just like to talk about the kids. Yes. And like, maybe we'll watch a documentary. So you try to have
0: some boundaries. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we have been pretty good about not having the phone in our hands, you know, when we're with each other and it's like our time.
0: Okay. So So. tell me about your bedtime routine. Okay. Uh, Does your phone sleep with you?
1: sort of <laughs> sort of sleeps with me. I put it on airplane mode, but I still watch my baby uh, on on a camera on you know an app. and so um, it's I, it's sort of there. I turn it on, I look at him, I check him out, and then I turn it back off and put it back on airplane mode.
0: I'm going to give you a little um, bed to put your phone to charge outside your bedroom.
1: Okay. I think that'll be better for my brain. But yes. I mean, then I'll have to go down the hall and look at my baby. <laughs> soon, soon you
0: won't need to look at him. Yeah, that's in. true. That's true. Soon, soon going to be growing out of that. But do you have like any bedtime routine? Like do you like to have a bath? Or I love a bath.
1: But I have found that, I don't know, lately I haven't been able to take one. But I love like... The wind down of like the bath, just like being cozy. And I, I always have my water next to the bed. And I like to read. Cash likes to watch TV or a documentary or something. So we go back and forth on that.
0: <laughs> and also probably having three children to get to bed That's, makes it a little harder, yeah. right?
1: So baby starts first. So his bedtime, baba time, bath time, all of that is first. Then my seven-year-old is second because she wants the cuddle. We sing songs. We do, th- we do three songs, four songs, and then she likes to talk about her day.
0: What's her favorite song?
1: Well, we do the same one since she was a baby. Three of them are like nursery rhymes and one of them I made up. You please. actually wrote the song? It's, like, to the tune of <laughs> Twinkle Twinkle, Little Star. So I, I didn't make up the tune. But it's, like, words but by Jessica. It's, words, words by me. Very simple, very basic. Maybe um, you should
0: record it.
1: I actually have, like, when I'm gone, I record it. And I'm a terrible singer. It's so bad. Like, people would actually have to, like, I'd have to pay them to listen to me sing. But um, I've recorded it so when I'm gone, she they can, can listen you. to oh. it. So they have, like... That.
0: Mommy singing. Some yeah.
1: I do that for Haven and then I do it for honor. And then it's just the like, let's recap the day yes. that ends up taking so long. And then they're like, and then I'm thirsty. And then can <laughs> you come back in? The seven year old, she's relentless. But the ten year old she's pretty good about, all right, we're good, we're done. But it can take forty five minutes to an hour to get And the it's
0: probably to bed. at the time I remember the days when you're very tired. Oh yeah. When you're really longing,
1: yeah. Because usually I don't, I haven't eaten yet. You know, we feed them, we bathe them, and then it's cash and I debating like, do we cook something quickly? Do we order? <laughs> like, what is it? I need to get better at the at the whole winding routine. down routine. yeah.
0: It's so important, and and I find that even when our children grow older, to be able to have that routine for ourselves. Mm. I recorded for Audible a parody of Good Night Moon called Good Night Smartphone. It's like we all need that ritual of sort of saying goodbye to the day with all its problems and joys. But nevertheless, it's done. Mm -hmm. It's never complete. Mm -hmm. And being able to get comfortable with all the incompletions and disconnecting. Because otherwise, it's much harder to fall asleep and stay asleep.
1: Yeah. I mean, I regularly and i'm not good at this regularly would wake up around 4:30 between like 3:30 and 4:30 and just just my mind's thinking about work yes. and then i pick up the phone and then it's over that yes. i'm like and my husband it was getting so bad that my husband was like People are going to think you are completely insane. And so you have to, like, put it in a saved box or save it (laughs) as a draft because you're not thinking clearly. They're not comprehensive thoughts that you're firing off to people. And he's like, and you're in a position of power where people feel like they need to respond to you. And so it's just not cool. And I'm like, but it'll. If I forget, if I don't do it right now, I'll never do it. And he's like, you just, you just got to not do that anymore. Um,
0: he's right. But and more
1: importantly, I shouldn't even be waking up at three thirty or exactly four thirty in the morning. Or if you wake
0: up, listen to Headspace. I know yeah. you've invested in the company yeah. and you're involved, or listen to any kind of meditation yeah. or disconnect from the day. So let me just. Um, As just a couple of things, um, as we are wrapping up, our culture is in such a state of transition over the idea of beauty and body image. You have two daughters you are bringing up who are going to be at the mercy of all these social conventions around beauty and body image. What do you think about all that? How can we help women get more confident about themselves without all these ideas of perfectionism and matching some external view of what it is to be beautiful.
1: It starts so young too. I've tried to, because the word pretty and ugly are like early on in their vocabulary. And so I've always tried to attach meanness and hatefulness to ugly and kindness, to pretty. It's hard because one's an act or a, a feeling that you get when someone's treating you a certain way versus another one is just like a physical. But I try to talk to them about how, like, beauty is different depending on where you are. And, like, different cultures think certain things are beautiful that other cultures don't. So I try to open their minds about that a little bit. But just that trying to attach the very basic idea that when you're mean, and when you are trying to be hurtful, like that is ugly, and when you are kind, that is pretty, and so that's those are like very basic, like mom, you know, (laughs) way my mom way of doing it, and and I think so far they feel okay. Um, I never talk about dieting. I never criticize my body in front of them. I don't look at my body critically in front of them. I try not to display any of that behavior that I know they're watching me. Even if I say something, if they see their mom treat mm-hmm. herself a certain way, then they're going to that's going to be really their reality and that's going to be their story. So my mom was not very nice to herself and her body when I was growing up, and so I have probably a lot of my own body insecurities and issues because just from mm-hmm. observing her, you know, she was just a nineteen-year-old person who had a baby and didn't wasn't equipped with a lot of of uh, I guess parenting know-how. She just like learned as she went, but. I started a little bit later, and so I think I have the space to try and be more thoughtful with the way I parent with my girls.
0: Jessica, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your humor and your vulnerability with us. And thank you to all of you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Thrive Global podcast with iHeartRadio on your favorite podcast app, and stay tuned to thriveglobal.com and iHeartRadio for updates on new episodes. And also thank you to our sponsor, Sleep Number. If you're not sleeping well, it could be your mattress. The Sleep Number bed knows, senses, and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably. This is not a bed, it's proven quality sleep. Discover the difference at sleepnumber.com thrive.